Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon, even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Manish Bandhan about his recent book, Disruptor, Nine Abilities of Agile Leaders. Manish Bandhan, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you, John. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it is a pleasure to be with you. You are joining us from the other side of the world. Uh, I'll give you a chance to share a little bit more about that here in just a minute. Uh, I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. It's morning for me, evening for you. And today we're going to be having a really nice conversation around your recent book, Disruptor, Nine Abilities of Agile Leaders. And I'm super excited to unpack that and talk about those nine abilities and how they apply to the workplace and leadership. As we get started, I wanted to share Manish's bio with everybody. Manish Bandhan is Chief Human Resource Executive at the Rogers Group, and his span of responsibility covers 5,500 plus employees over 13 countries and seven business sectors, including aviation, fintech, leisure, hospitality, logistics, real estate, and agribusiness. With over 20 years in human resources, learning, and organizational development, including 15 plus years at the C-suite level, he has worked across multiple industries with cross-cultural and international exposure. And I could really go on and on and on. You've had a tremendous career uh, and, and there's so much there, but I'll pause and give you a chance now to share with listeners anything else you would like like to specifically share uh, about your background, your personal context, uh, and just for fun, tell us a little bit about where you're looking. Sure. Thank you. Thank you for um, the nice, I would say, introduction, which is more of a formal one. Let me make it a bit more informal, uh, more personal. So I like to call myself a corporate monk. Uh, why? Because um, I think because of the look also, but also um, I'm in the field of human resources and growing people and coaching. And for me, the whole element of being mindful, being grounded and being centered is very important, especially in the corporate world. Um, we could use more of uh, mindfulness at work, which will make life much so much easier. So that's the way I see myself as a corporate monk. And what I like also to share about myself is I see myself as um, a catalyst, someone who ignites the spark of transformation in people. So that's what I'm passionate about. Um, and I'm from the beautiful tropical island of Mauritius, which if you uh, would like uh, to be known, it's, uh, we could say it, we could call it the Hawaii of the Indian Ocean. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. And we were talking in the pre-interview. Um, I've interviewed a few individuals um, from there. 
in the past and I've had some plans actually to, to travel there and that got disrupted a little bit due, due to COVID. You were just mentioning how it's, it's opened back up and, and everything. It, it looks like a beautiful place. Uh, so I'm a little bit jealous, uh, but uh, thank you again for taking the time to join me and uh, share your insights with me and my listeners today. Why don't we start as we discuss um, this book? Tell us a little bit about why this book, why now, why this topic? Why now? Um, why this topic? I think it's also related to the whole context that we are living in. We are living in a world with, which has been described as VUCA, you know, volatile, uncertain, um, complex and ambiguous. Now there's also a new term which has been coined called RUPT, uh, which is rapid, unpredictable, paradoxical, entangled. So RUPT, which comes from the word disrupt. And to be able to survive and thrive in a world of disruption, you need to be a disruptor yourself. And to be a disruptor means um, to be able to be agile, to be able to anticipate changes, to adapt to it, and to make waves in your own way, in a positive way. So to me, the why, the big why of this is to help people in, in their personal life as well as professional life adapt better to a world which is increasingly changing on multiple fronts. And we've seen it during yeah. the last two years with the pandemic. We had to adapt overnight to new ways of living and working. Yeah, absolutely. That's a wonderful why. And you're absolutely right. We, we've seen disruption, the escalation of disruption in, in the recent uh, decades. Uh, it, it seems exponential. Like we, we technological uh, disruptions, economic, social disruptions. Uh, then we have this pandemic, this global health crisis. Uh, that's only accelerated it further. And the name of the game now is disruption. The name of the game is agility, uh, the, be able, the ability to adapt and to pivot uh, and to meet the needs of an ever-shifting segmented marketplace uh, and consumer. And and so we have to be highly attuned to everything that our market is seeking. Uh, And that means that we're going to have to be able to adjust within our organizations. And let's not forget that organizations, bureaucracy, it exists not to be agile. It exists to maintain the status quo. And so what has served companies well for generations, uh, for for centuries, may not be as well suited for the modern age and the world of the current world of work, where we need to be much more disruptive. So the top down hierarchical, heavily bureaucratic organization is going to have a harder time being agile and disruptive. Uh, It's not mutually exclusive. It's not like you can't be disruptive, but you have to be very proactive about how you're going to incentivize it, encourage it, create a psychologically safe place where it can occur. Uh, Otherwise, people won't uh, be willing to, they won't feel psychologically safe enough to to speak up, speak out, challenge the status quo, etc. So that's, that's the context. That's a wonderful why. Now let's talk about those nine abilities of agile leaders, if you can walk us through those. Sure, happy to share that. Um, actually, I, I fully agree with the statement you have about how organizations today um, will not be able to survive, given the way they operate today. Um, actually, the corporate, the corporate organization is built to maintain stability, as you said, to maintain status quo. And as the world is evolving, the context keeps on evolving, and the, the, change, the pace of change gets um, more rapid. Um, you need to have a more swift way of uh, working and living as well as a more 
dynamic and fluid organization structure. So coming back to the nine abilities of agile leaders, it's in the book title itself, Disruptor, which is an acronym. Uh, and if I give you that example, the first example for D is to drive, to drive change from the future for the future. So it starts with that, being able to envision the future, um, to project yourself in the future, what the future looks like, and the future you can define it as short-term, medium-term, or long-term, and look backwards so that then you know where you're going. So really driving change with a sense of meaningful change for the future, but also from the future. So that's the first element. Um, how do you keep on having an eye on what's coming? Yeah, and again, in an ever-changing world with where the pace of and uh, the pace of change has been accelerating. We need to have that eye towards the future. Nobody has a crystal ball. We can't see around corners and know for sure what's happening, but we can look at trends and we can see the path that we seem to be taking and we can proactively lean into the uncertainty and prepare for possible futures, possible outcomes, scenario planning, um, and, and, and ongoing strategic planning, all of that's going to be super important as we try to prepare for an uncertain future. The second one, I, stands for uh, intricate understanding of your environment. So the ability to uh, read, connect the dots, being able to understand what's happening. If you take the example of um, the war in Ukraine, uh, the ripple effect it has on the world and how it affects everyone from organizations to teams to individuals. So being able to read uh, the, what's happening around you and being able to read what I call flags, flag watching, watching for the flags which are going to impact your organization, your corporate or uh, your, uh, your team. So that's an essential one for leaders today to be agile. Yeah, the, the guideposts are there uh, if we know what to be looking for. Uh, again, we can't predict the future uh, for certain, but we can see those flags. And they, you know, we didn't know for sure that Putin was going to invade Ukraine, but there were lots of indications prior to the invasion that that might be likely, or at least it's something to be cautious about and prepared for, right? Yeah. And that's just one geopolitical kind of example, but we see those types of examples all the time within the workplace, uh, within our industries, within the market uh, that, you know, we don't know for sure, but we have a pretty good sense that something might be coming and we're, we're not doing our due diligence if we're not preparing for those, uh, you know, the scenario planning based on those flags that we see posted along the way. Now, is everything going to pan out the way we planned? Of course not. It never does. But you, you plan anyways. And just the, the process of going through that planning um, and, and, and scanning the environment and just having that be a part of the continual, the continual learning culture of your organization is going to serve you very well. Indeed. And the way I call it in the book is having an outside in mindset. Yes. Be able to constantly yes. what's outside, benchmark, understand, read, connect the dots and the flags. And then from there, process what you're going to do from it. Yeah, perfect. All right. What's the next one? The next one, S stands for, it's a very simple one, is straight talk. Is <laughs> being able to practice straight talk. And straight talk means being able to speak up your mind, 
being able to have a clear mind first and then speak up what you have to say, including courageous conversations. Especially in times of change, you need to be able to, to speak up, uh, to talk, um, let's say, to have the courageous conversations in order to challenge the status quo. Yeah, yeah. And again, we, we've already talked about stability versus agility, status quo versus disruption. And that doesn't just happen magically because organizations are built to maintain themselves. And so we have to have people who are willing to speak up, to speak out, to challenge the status quo, uh, to point out problems, but also point out opportunities that might be a shift in direction, right? And so we have to uh, be able to have that straight talk. And, there, and there's different books out there, very popular books about crucial conversations uh, or radical candor or some of these other books that talk about this topic at length. Um, I like simply put though, straight talk is very important. And it, it brings with it the, the realization, the necessity that we just have to be willing to be transparent and openly communicate uh, with our teams so that it goes both ways. It, it comes from the top down, C-suite on down through middle management down to the line level employees, but it goes the opposite way as well, that, that line employees, middle management, they need to feel safe and confident that their input is valued, that they can speak um, directly and consistently to share their input. They're on the front lines, so they know what's what's going on, what the impacts are. And, and management needs to be willing and able to accept that without feeling, you know, uh, nervous about it, without feeling uh, uh, like like they're being directly challenged. Because the whole point is simply growth, learning, development. Yeah, agree. So, and well, you well resumed it. <laughs> Um, the fourth one is responsible in action. Um, so here it's really about the whole notion of taking accountability being and having ownership, especially when it comes to change is um, not waiting for the change, but taking ownership to uh, lead the change yourself. So to be the change first and take ownership to lead change in order to bring people around with you. So that whole notion of responsibility in action is very essential for a leader to be able to be a disruptor. And, and tell us a little bit more about how you see that responsibility. Um, because on the one hand, you know, I'm a believer in top-down commitment to organizational change initiatives. Uh, but I also see the value in the necessity even of grassroots um, efforts from the bottom up and, and simply nothing happens if middle management isn't bought in. Right. And so who, who has the responsibility? How do we frame that out? How do we encourage and, and help people recognize that responsibility? Well, it starts with developing clarity on roles. Um, very often what happens is in organizations is role clarity is missing. And by role clarity, I mean, um, what are you responsible for? What are you accountable for? And what are you supportive on? Um, so one way that I share in it in, in the book is when everyone is responsible, no one is accountable. So developing clear accountability is essential so that you know um, where the book stops, what is required of you um, in terms of uh, outcomes, in terms of actions, so that um, each one is then, then you can empower because empowerment goes hand in hand with responsibility. If you want to empower people and, but there's, lack of clarity on your level of responsibility, there's lack of clarity on who does what in the team, then um, it's just talk. You're not moving forward. So really developing that kind of 
clarity, helping people um, then from there empower them, but at the same time, hold them accountable for what's expected of them. That's the way forward, actually. Yeah, yeah, excellent. A role clarity is so essential in establishing responsibility and accountability. And I'm a big believer in mutual accountability and trust within organizations. The only way that can happen is as you clearly communicate those roles, the responsibilities, and then again, actively hold people mutually accountable over time. And that that's, that's from the top down, C-suite all the way down. Uh, and if I'm a good manager at any level, that means I have to hold my people responsible, but I also have to hold myself responsible uh, first and foremost for the development of my team. Yeah. So the fifth one now, um, so we've already covered four elements for abilities. Now the fifth one is, it's an interesting one. You, the you one is um, being uncomfortable with the comfortable. And that's the whole element of challenging the status quo is being uncomfortable with the comfortable. Um, so it's really not never settle, keep finding ways to grow, keep finding ways to improve and keep finding ways to learn. That's what keeps people agile, not only organizations, but also teams and leaders. So be uncomfortable with the comfortable. And I think that's one of the greatest gifts of the pandemic. Now, I, I don't want to minimize the pain and suffering and the, the challenges that have emerged due to the pandemic. It has been a, a really hard time uh, the, these last couple of years, socially, economically, uh, for individuals, for families, for organizations, for society as a whole, right? It, I don't want to diminish that. But if we look at what the pandemic has pushed us to do, it's it's pushed individuals, it's pushed families, organizations, it's pushed everyone to challenge assumptions, to challenge what they were just used to. And let's just take organizations, for example, for just a moment. Um, organizations were forced to, on a dime, switch over to remote work. Now, there, there were remote teams already, and there were hybrid teams already, and there were, there were organizations that utilized virtual technologies already. But there was a lot of resistance, frankly, towards this transition. And, and immediately, organizations had to either figure out how to do it or to die, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, and once they started to do it, they were forced to do it. Then they were forced to, to re-examine, well, wait a minute, this actually seems to be working pretty well. Now we have to re-examine why have we always been doing this the way we've been doing it? Why do we have teams set up the way we've had them? Why do we have this physical office space the way we have it? Why do we have all these meetings? Um, you know, what about these policies, these practices and procedures that have served us well for years, if not decades or more now it doesn't, they don't seem to fit. So what needs to change? And, and it just forced organizations to challenge assumptions. And in many cases, though the, the organizational norms, policies, practices, procedures that people just took for granted, at, and, and just accepted as normal, necessary, essential, they realize, no, they're actually not essential at all. And in fact, we can completely do away with those. So a lot of pruning happened in organizations during the pandemic in terms of uh, those practices. I think that was healthy. You also look at it from an individual and family standpoint. 
I, I think a big part of this whole great reawakening, great reevaluation, their great resignation is simply people taking stock of their lives, challenging assumptions, trying to recognize what matters to me, what are my priorities, what's important, what's not important. And people just realized in mass, people realized what they thought was important isn't important. Uh, or not as much as they thought it was. And, and so people are changing jobs, careers, uh, and, and just making massive change. So that's a gift for, of this pandemic. Now, it shouldn't need to take a pandemic to force us to do this. We can choose to proactively be in that mind space, that mindset to challenge assumptions and to continually try to, uh, to, to improve and to develop. We don't need to be compelled to do it. Um, but, you know, I guess maybe that's human nature. We, we fall into comfort, right? And so learning yeah. to be um, comfortable with the uncomfortable, I think that's, that's huge. Yeah. In fact, actually, one of the dimensions I would share in terms of when you talk, started talking about the pandemic, for me, one way to reframe it without minimizing the pain that people have gone through is, um, and that's something that I've experienced also, is that the pandemic has been a portal for transformation for many people around the world, portal to change, to change your habits, to re reassess your life, relook at um, your sense of purpose. Um, so it's really been a way to, a portal for transformation, for accelerated change, um, which brings me to the next one, the next ability, which is P. After disrupt, we've reached the P and P stands for is simply purpose driven, being purposeful, being purpose driven. And as you shared about the great realignment, great migration, or call it the great resignation, it's really driven by people reassessing, reevaluating a bit what they want to do actually with their lives and whether they are living on purpose or not. So having a clear sense of purpose in what you do is essential today. Um, if you look at it, we move, the world has moved from profits to then a triple bottom line. Now we call it a quadruple bottom line, which is purpose prosperity, planet, and people. So, but it starts with purpose, a clear sense of purpose. And you will not connect with uh, people, with especially new, younger generation, new generations, if you don't have a clear sense of purpose, why you, why you do what you do as, an, as a leader, but also as an organization. And how are you making the world a better place for this? Yeah, yeah, very well said. Purpose is so essential. I, I've been doing a lot of uh, research in the space for, I don't know, well over a decade. Um, as you said, it's, it's always been important. Uh, it's, it's clearly important now. It's, it's, it's even more important though than ever. And, and, and particularly for the younger generations, they simply are refusing to work um, for meaningless organizations and meaningless jobs. <laughs> they want to do something that matters. They want to make a contribution. They want to have significance in the work that they do. Um, so purpose in work, purpose in role, purpose in organization, impact in what they do, all of that's essential. That's what leaders uh, who want to disrupt for the future uh, of work, that's what they need to be building in. And some, some jobs, just naturally, you can immediately see what that purpose is. In others, you might have to be a little bit more creative, but I am convinced that in every type of job, in every line of work, you can derive meaning and purpose, um, and you just have to be thoughtful about how you go about designing that work. And once yeah. you're thoughtful about job design uh, and you, you find the right alignment between the people you're bringing in to do the work and the work that needs to be done, then you can have that driving purpose. That's just going to drive better outcomes for everybody. Uh, and it's going to help you keep your good people. 
Yeah, agree. So brings us to the next one, um, which is T. After P, it comes the T, which is the ability to turn adversity into opportunity. So um, change is not always easy. It's painful. Um, and in a context which is always changing, always evolving, your ability to spot um, what's the opportunity in this change, what's the opportunity in the problem or the situation that we're facing, and how do we turn from adversity into something which is in our stride is essential. So the ability, in a sense, to reframe the situation, to take out the lessons, and to find the opportunities that we can grow on. Or another word for it is pivot. You know, so so and that's an essential ability today in um, in a disrupted disruptive world. Yeah, absolutely. Being able to pivot is the is the epitome of of being agile. <laughs> we just need to to be able to do that. Wonderful. Uh, and let's let's do the last couple. Yeah, the last two quick ones. Uh, o is for being outcome focused, being clear on what you want to achieve, uh, clear outcomes which you can what you can see here and feel, what you can measure, and clearly defining what success means to you. So that's essential. And the last one R is for resilience. So how do you embody resilience? And resilience is simply two elements. It's physical fitness and, um, um, and, and your ability to be mentally agile. So to be able to have that staying power mentally. So that's, that's essentially the nine abilities uh, that I, we just shared over a quick conversation. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, that's fantastic. Each of those, I think, is essential uh, for the future leader, for the future of work, if we want to be effective and if we want to have dynamic teams. Um, so in terms of individual personal leadership, but team leadership in driving successful organizations, we need those characteristics, those attributes, those competencies and capabilities to be successful. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Now, I note the time I'm going to have to let you go here in just a minute. So before we wrap up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, where they can find your book, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Sure. Uh, thank you again, John, for this opportunity to interact. Um, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. I am very active on LinkedIn. I write regularly uh, and I have a, 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 let's say a newsletter or regular post with my own hashtag, Shots of Insights, which actually is the title of my first book. So Shots of Insights is really about uh, we live life in shots. Shots of experiences, shots of learning, and uh, shots of opportunities. So it's really like you're taking a shot. So shots of insights. That's what I write about. It's, it's your way to. You can connect with me on that, uh, and you can find both books on Amazon. I published it online on Amazon. You'll find it in all uh, formats, including the Audible version, which is out uh, this month. So thank you again. And for me, I think the word of the day, what I would share is one. One special element is very often we tend to compare with people, uh, you know, if you're going too fast or some people are going fast, but you're not fast enough, or you might be told that yeah, you're too fast, you have to slow down. So for, for me, there's a powerful reframe about speed here is speed is not, it doesn't matter if your direction is not clear and you're not consistent. So the reframe here is I am not fast, I'm steadfast, steadfast. So I'm not fast, but I'm steadfast. And that's what makes me successful. I'm not slow, but I'm in my flow. And that's what makes me successful. I love both of those. Wonderful. Manish, it has been a pleasure talking with you. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what he can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. 
Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.